Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. It's beautiful, isn't it? Heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister hath left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Notice two sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the same Mary and Martha when you go into the next chapter whose brother uh, is Lazarus. And Mary and Martha are in the house. It's about two miles from Jerusalem. And there was a little stronghold there was believed, as I say, stronghold, mainly populated of people who had came from Galilee down. And there was a great poor house around that area too. And here Jesus is in a house. And as he comes in, one sits at his feet and wonders, one is cumbered about with much serving. Two forms of worship, both are equally as vital and equally as essential. Martha always gets a bad rap because she's the one who's always running around. She always gets a bad rap from the preachers. But you know what? If we didn't have Martha's, the church wouldn't run. But Martha's should sometimes take the place of Mary. And then we have those who will sit in the church and it's all spiritual and they'll put their hand to nothing. And they do nothing that way. So we have loads of Mary's. And we have others who are Martha's. Both are worship. Do you know every day, for you and I, every day should be a day to worship. Our lifestyle should be a worship. If you were to just keep your place there and go to Romans, please. Romans chapter 12. And verse 1. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice, your bodies a living sacrifice. In other words, you're saved to serve. We're not saved just to sit. We're saved also to serve. Sitting at his feet is the most precious part. Serving the Christ whose feet we have sat at is also vital for the ministry of not only the body of Christ and the church but also for your well-being. You find people who don't serve, who don't reach out, who don't put themselves out as it were of their comfort zone in service, you find that they become stale or critical because they take themselves to a place where it's hyper-spiritual And everyone is below them because, well, they can do all the menial tasks 
I like to sit with the spiritual people. Really what we should be is all of us spiritual, having our times of sitting at the feet of Jesus and then going out to serve. Serving one another and serving the Lord. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, the word reasonable means it's agreeable, that your heart is agreeable, that what God does with you, where God calls you to, and where God places you, your heart's agreeable. And why? Because he is the one you're serving. Simple as that. So it's worship every day is an act of worship. And be not conformed to this world. The idea is be not influenced from the outside into your heart. That's it in a simple form. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here, your reasonable service, you can write this down if you're writing a a little note there, a footnote. It really means your spiritual act of worship is carried out on how you serve and conduct with your body. So James tells us that faith without works is dead. So if we say we have faith and we believe in God and we follow Christ, but we have no fruit in our lives or no works, good works on the Christ, that is, then our faith is dead. It means nothing. And neither can our works save us because we're saved by grace through faith. So one is worship and the other is worship. For example, we've only after been singing for a few songs there and you start to sense the spirit settling in the meeting. We start to sense the Spirit now moving on us. It's beautiful. Our hearts open in worship unto the Lord. And that is worship. It's beautiful when our hearts are worshiping Him, pouring ourselves out, receiving from Him, and having fellowship with Him. But here's the thing. Worship doesn't stop when we lay the guitars down. Worship continues on in the preaching of the Word. And so the Word to us, whether it challenges us, or encourages us, and whether it blesses us, or whether it shakes us, whatever it does to us, we should worship that God has taken the time through his word and spirit to speak to us in whatever way he deems it fit to do so, and love him for it. You know, I I remember it was almost every time I went to our church when we were growing up in Whitewell, I remember when we were going to church there and spiritually growing in God, I was challenged almost every meeting. Pastor McCollum never missed and hit the wall. And he challenged you every meeting. And even said things that you can't even say anymore. He used to to turn around and call some of us creeps because we wouldn't get on with it. That's just the way you are. You get on with it, you creep. You know, catch yourself on. He did. Just said it out the way it was. And you know, sometimes you're offended by it, but here's the thing. It caused you to listen. It caused you to take infantry of yourself and your life. It caused you to look at your life and how you were before God. You know, we talk about Remainers and Ramoners and the Brexit debate and all that sort of stuff. Do you know there's like that in the Christian church? You've got the Ramoners as well. 
we remain to moan all the time. And then you have those who want to go out and do it. It's the same in the church. And here, whenever I'm sitting thinking of these things, and I thought, you know, I want to try and share these, some of these tonight with the people. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. And notice if you'll go with me to Acts chapter 22. Book of Acts chapter 22, please. And that I, let's just read from verse 1, sure. Acts 22, verse 1. Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense, which I make now unto you. And when they heard that he, this is the Apostle Paul, and they heard that he spake in the Hebrew tongue to them, they kept the more silence. And he saith, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Cilicia, yet brought up in the city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God, as ye are, as, pardon me, as ye all are this day. Notice where Paul was. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Verse 3, he says, I have sat with the teacher. Gamaliel was one of the head lecturers or teachers, rabbis of the day. And Paul says, I sat under the best. But I want to tell you now, he says, I've met the Christ. That's what he's telling them. And he says, I've sat under the law. I was a Jew born in Tarsus. I've been free born. And he goes through all of this. He's of the tribe of Benjamin that he tells us and all of these things. And this is what he says. I know the law. I know what it says. And I thought I was doing God's work. And I sat under it all the time. And I just thought these Christians need to be put in prison or or dead, one of the two. He says, and I sat at the feet of the best man had to offer. But one day I met Jesus. And you know what? You can sit under the best. You can sit under men who would tie us in knots, cross T's, dot I's, and be able to swap them back to front before you could even recognize it. Tell you everything. You can sit under the best teacher. But unless you've stopped and paused, sat at the feet of Jesus, you haven't sat anywhere. That's what Paul's saying. I've sat with Gamaliel at his feet. But I'll tell you now, I sit at the feet of Jesus. Paul worships Jesus. And he loves him. So in Luke chapter 10, it says, verse 38, Now it came to pass that as they went, they entered into a certain village, a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. Now you have to realize for Martha to do this, Martha was putting her neck out here. Martha was putting her neck on the line to receive Jesus into her house. And Martha, you see, was saying, you come to my house, but yet everybody else was saying, what are you doing with this man bringing him to your house? And we can have it where times, whether it's in our workplace or whether it's at home, or whether it's with family, whatever it may be, we can find at times, you know, having Christ in our lives is challenging. 
And we could always say, listen, and I'm saying this, please take this in the right way. I'm not saying this to, to condemn anyone. But we could say this in the sense like this, that we in the Western world especially, as Christians, never mind Pakistan or Christians in certain parts of India and China and so on, in, in the West especially, we find that our faith is tried if we if we if we got caught up on the road on the way to work. Well think about it, isn't that true? Oh my faith has tried, see that man, he'd cut in front of me and I nearly lost my temper. Well we try not to, you know. But our, we think that's our trial of our faith. No. No. We think a trial of our faith is when our when our loved ones come to visit and we have to hide that we are Christians, as it were, or be quiet over in case we offend them. Don't be saying too much because it's just not worth the hassle. This woman put her neck in the line to bring Christ into the home. To bring Christ into her home. And she knew her life was on the line to do this. And not only did she bring him into the home, she started to serve him. See, service is also worship. Spiritual act of worship, physical acts of worship. Colossians chapter 3. And let your eye run down to verse 23. Colossians 3, verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. So let me put it like this. Even in our ordinary work, not even, I'm not even speaking, we heard there of how, um, some of the, some of the group went there this morning and we're in the, in the school and ministering in the school and the, the breakthrough the Lord's given is there and that's fantastic. That's worship or whether it's, uh, Sunday school or whether it's lighthouse or whatever it's the youth or, or, or whatever it may be. Children's meetings. Doesn't matter. Worship here or in the group, whatever it may be. Do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. See, once you do it as unto men or because you're trying to... Listen, and I'm saying, I don't want anyone to think I'm giving off. There's been nothing wrong here. I'm not giving off. I'm just being honest. Some people just want to do it because they think they want to do it. Or some, some want to do something because the pastor wants them to do it. And I appreciate it, by the way. But that's not the motive. The right motive. When you do anything, you do as on the Lord. Because what happens is, whenever man and woman let you down, everything you have done is not for a waste. You have done it as on to God. You've done it in His name. You've done it for His glory. And listen, and it gets to a place, wherever you are, whatever you're working in, whatever you're serving in, you'll find that you just can't get up and say, I'm finished. You know why? Because He says, I have placed you there to do that. I personally don't get, and again, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, I don't get when pastors can up sticks and leave a church because they just feel like it. I feel like it sometimes. 
It's not because of any one particular. It's just pressure. It's just pressure. But I feel like it whenever sometimes you so much and you don't know what one to attend to first or where you're trying to cope with and you're trying to write words you're going oh I can't remove myself just because I want to I would have to seek the Lord and get his approval and get him to plant me somewhere else not that I'm looking that by the way just in case in your work hairdressing chip shops and restaurants and driving, whatever you may be doing, working in schools, shops in the corner, whatever it is, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. Be the best you can be in the presence of those you're working with. Be the very best you can be. Notice what it says in Colossians 3, in verse 23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily. With all of your heart. Do it heartily. <clears throat> As to the Lord and not unto men. Listen, verse 24. Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong. Which he hath done. There is no respect of persons. Well, Paul's telling us here, if you keep your eyes on people who are always doing wrong, you're taking your eye off the ball, as it were. If you see a brother or a sister and they're going wrong, listen, by all means encourage people. But if anything drags you down, you need to keep your eyes focused because you will be discouraged the whole way through ministry. You'll be discouraged in your secular work. You'll be discouraged in your worship. Don't let anything or anyone come to where you're so discouraged you can't worship God because you need then to take the seat of Mary. Does that make sense? It's then you need to take the seat of Mary. So so many things have been off, um, trying to work a lot of stuff out. And it's nothing big or bad. It's just... Time consuming, put it that way. And I'm trying to get my, my, I'm trying to spin plates a bit there and thankfully it's slowing down a bit. No way over the holidays it happened. I'm trying to spin plates a bit and today I was getting up and I was to go out to the hospice again. And I took a cough and I thought, I had it all night and I thought if I take this out, I don't want to take it into a hospice. So, I've seemingly cleared up, so hopefully I'll, t- I'll go tomorrow instead. But listen, after Rebecca cuts my hair, I'll go. So I get the dog and I says, I'm going to take him out for a walk. I need to go and talk to the Lord. And I just walked around the country roads and I couldn't let him off the lead because he had run over and jumped in the river and I'd have to go across the fields. And I'm walking down talking and people were talking. And I, every time a car was coming to look down as I was talking to the dog, Start talking to the Lord. And I didn't realize until I walked about three miles just talking to him continually. I didn't realize the burden I'd carried until I offloaded it again. Sat at his feet. 
Many as will carry a burden, it's not yours to carry. Set it at his feet. Leave it at his feet. Be like Mary and you don't need to always go, Lord, I don't know what to say, I'm thinking of what to say. We all get like that at times, isn't that right? And I'm coming with a shopping list, you know, A, B, C, D, nearly down, we're just saying it and it just bores a life out of you and I'm sure it bores a life out of God. We're all the same. You bring it to the Lord and you leave it at his feet. And listen, if you have nothing to say, get somewhere, just I know it's hard with children and so on, get somewhere, say what you say and why don't you just sit and listen? Just sit and listen. Look what it says in Luke chapter 10. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. I'm walking around with my big dog and he's stopping at every hole in the hedge and I keep pulling him along and he's running ahead of me and I'm pulling him back in the lead and talking to the Lord and I wasn't I didn't bump into one person it was great he says Lord I need this here's what the Lord said to me let me give you an example see this pulpit I'm standing behind it this is the thoughts that came to me actually the pulpit where the word of God is now if I walk away from it away over here I'm way over the far side of the stage. The word of God's still there, isn't it? The pulpit's there, the word of God hasn't moved. Who moved? I moved. It didn't move. Isn't that right? I moved. This is the vision that the Lord gave me walking around. He says, son, like the word on the pulpit, I haven't moved, you move. Get back over to the word and sit and listen. That's what came to me. You know what I started to sing, and I'm glad there was nobody about. <laughs> what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I started singing that. And the dog's looking at me like, I'm not wise. Probably heard a tune he was saying as well. But isn't it true? This is what I'm walking, this is the vision I see. There's your pulpit, there's the, there's the Bible. And I walk away. Who's walked, you or me? I says, me, I get back to the word. See, this is sitting at the feet of Jesus. This is sitting at the feet of Jesus. When we gather around the Word, CET is a Word-centered church, Christ-centered church, assembly, and says that Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet, listen, heard and heard His Word. 
Now, what if you leave here tonight and you say, you know, I thought we were going to have a whole night of prayer. But what if the Lord says, I didn't want you to pray to me, I wanted to speak to you. Isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? Notice it says, but Martha was cumbered about with much serving. And came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bid her therefore that she help me. Here's what I have written just this afternoon. That's the only note I have. See the side of my Bible there? Oh, see it there? The wee top red right, right along the side. And this is what I wrote. While doing the work of the Lord, we must never forget the Lord of the work. While doing the work of the Lord, we must never forget the Lord of the work. We can be so busy, even in serving God, that we forget to take our own time to sit at Jesus' feet. And so the Lord of the work, we forget him. So we are busy doing the work of the Lord, so we must never forget the Lord of the work. Make sure you take time. Make sure you get some time. There's no preacher. Um, he's no reformer. And his students came to him and says, I can't get time to pray. I'm always busy with people coming to see me. The old reformer, the preacher, turns around and says, Funny, nobody ever wraps my door at four o'clock in the morning. Nobody ever wraps my door at four in the morning. No thing is, isn't that true? It says here, and Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, it's believed to be a term of endearment. Like, you know, I, I care, Martha. Of course I care. Thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Let's just look for another few minutes at this. One thing is needful. One thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part. In other words, Mary has made it her business to sit at my feet. What about if you work long hours and you're in a place of work? You know, this is what I used to do when I was in secular work. I used to take my Bible and sit in the middle of them in the canteen and open up my Bible. And they used to give me dog's abuse. And I used to love it. Because I knew if I'm stirring them up, then God's doing something. And I remember walking down as a guy, he drove a forklift, he used to load the lorries, and he used to just throw me jags and jibes at me. And I used to sit out the back when I had any minutes and I used to stand and talk to the Lord. Just stand with my hands out talking to the Lord. And I used to think I was an idiot. Do you know what man's saved now? Can all well with God for a lot of years. And when he got saved, he contacted me I had heard from him for years. So you don't know what you'll be in work, what you'll do in work. To be the witness there. Notice one thing is needful. Look at Psalm 27. Verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, 
Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. Notice, underline it. One thing have I desired. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And see all of that. I want to dwell in your temple all the days of my life. Listen, Lord, but I want to behold your beauty. One thing. What about it being your desire? Get your heart's desire fixed in Christ. To be in his house. To be serving him. To be sitting at his feet. And notice Ecclesiastes 3, while we're there, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, for those who maybe would struggle to find that wee book. Psalms, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, chapter 3. Let your eye run down to verse 19, just the one verse. For that which befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. In other words, there's something that happens to all of us. Even one thing befalleth them. As one dieth, so dieth the other. Yea, they have all one breath, so that a man hath no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. Do you know what he's saying? The whole book of Ecclesiastes here, you know what he's saying here? He's a preacher. He gets it all together and he weighs everything up in this word and he says, you know, we can strive for all of this, but it's empty. Life without Christ is emptiness. That's what he's saying. And just like an animal dies, so even humans die. It befalls all of us, he says. And then where is all the things? So the idea is one thing that befalls us, there's one thing we should desire is to be in his house. To behold his beauty. To be in his temple. If you go with me to Mark chapter 10. And flat your eye on down to verse 21. 21. Then Jesus beholding him. This is the. Uh, the, the young man who comes and asking, good master, what good thing must, should I do to inherit eternal life? And the Lord tells him some of the commandments and he says, um, all these have I observed my youth up and what, I, what yet, yet do I lack? In verse 21, then Jesus beholding him loved him, said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, give to the poor, Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. The Lord Jesus said, there's one thing you're lacking yet. Your heart's still in everything else, and not fully sold out on me. 
What's the difference in Jesus dying on the cross and you taking up the cross? Do you ever wonder that? What's the difference? Well, it's simple. Jesus dying on the cross is our salvation. You taking up the cross, when I take up the cross, is our sanctification. Salvation is when we get saved. Sanctification is growing and going on with God. And having everything else, second, third, and whatever place, beneath the Lord Jesus Christ, that he might have the preeminence in all that we are. I think I'll stop there. One thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. We're at his feet tonight. We're at his feet.